Hello, welcome to Rebel High Command Cast, a subsidiary of the IA Command YouTube channel and an Imperial Assault podcast that dares to ask the question, is a game truly dead if we don't let it die? This is episode 5. I'm your host, TV Boy, aka Noah, and I am joined by, as always, the second flock, aka Wesley. Wesley, how are you doing today? Hey everyone, it's uh, been a crazy weekend for me, but it's good to have a little time to squeeze in for some IA talk, as always. Nice, so I hope everything's going okay over where you are? Yeah, uh, mostly uh, not so much with the uh, the girlfriend, she's had a few hiccups this weekend. Uh, car broke, phone broke, and uh, seems like her credit card might have gotten hacked. Ooh, so ouch. we've been uh, dealing with a lot this weekend. Yeah, it seems like... Things like that happen to tend to happen in clusters sometimes, and that's never fun. Yeah, she she told me like, okay, we got to fix the phone because uh, you know, I'm gonna need a phone, and I know three other bad things are gonna happen here, or they're gonna happen in threes. Oh yeah. Well, well at least all three happened. Oh no. Deal with them. Well, hopefully, you guys were prepared, and hopefully, it all gets fixed. Okay, well, before we jump into our discussion, here are your weekly community updates. Alright, so the only weekly update we have this week is going to be the tournament happening on 10-22, that's Saturday, October 22nd. It's going to be another free Vassal tournament online for IACP, and the winner is going to get a full set of professionally printed, professionally printed Season 7 deployment cards. And again, that's happening this Saturday, October 22nd, totally free to enter. Uh, I'll put the uh, link to join in the description. The other big news is that we're going to be switching over from Tabletop TO to Challenge. That's C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E, and we're going to have a community set up for ICP for all tournaments and events being run through Challenge. Uh, that's going to include future leagues and uh, future tournaments. And uh, the reason for that being that, of course, t- uh, most of you might know Tabletop TO is being shut down uh, effective at the end of October, but we've seen a lot of performance issues with the site lately. Uh, it's been randomly shutting down on us um, the last few couple weeks, so we're just going to make the move right now over to Challenge. So check that out. Um, it's going to be really cool. It's got a lot of int- cool features that uh, Tabletop TO didn't have, and uh, excited for the move over to that. And, uh, oh, by the way, the tournament on Saturday is going to be live stream. That's going to be happening from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're not able to play, definitely check out the live stream. We're going to have commentary from myself as well as the second flock um, and tabletop uh, uh, audio from the table if uh, one of us is not available. So check out the live stream coming up on Saturday and definitely sign up if you're interested in playing. All right, back to the show. Okay, and we're back. So... Um, I thought we'd start things off with, uh, well, actually, let's start things off with uh, games we've played before we get into anything else. Um, Wesley, did you play any games since last time we recorded? We actually took a week off, I know, so any any games you played since the last episode we, we recorded? Yeah, um, so last time we recorded, we were uh, discussing a little side campaign game. I was playing solo. Uh, you asked if I uh, won the mission. I was letting you know I was about a round away. Uh, from getting that win, but I did I did secure the win in that uh, campaign game of uh, gosh I think it was the Bantha Rider mission pack in the Edge of Oblivion campaign. Um, won that with Fen at two HP and everyone else wounded, so that was very close. And this was on the uh, Imperial Commander app, and I had uh, turned on 
adaptive difficulty, and I don't think I'm going to do that for the rest of the that campaign. That was a lot. Um, but as, in terms of skirmish, ISCP, I did have one match uh, that I played, and it was, you know, you've posted on your channel recently a match featuring an ATRT, which we haven't seen in a while. Uh, coincidentally enough, around the same week, I did play a match against someone who was also running an ATRT trooper list, different players than on your your channel. Uh, what's interesting though is that the list I saw in your uh, in your long review was doing ATRT with a bunch of generic Echo based troopers, and I think Luke Skywalker. Um, my opponent was running the ATRT with more of a strong, unique trooper list. So it had Fen, Kotun, um, Cassian was in there, even though he's not a trooper. Uh, however. Instead of uh, going too much into how that went, I would like to say that I have uh, been working on a Vassal Log review for that game and hope to post that on my own channel pretty soon. Oh, sweet. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last time we talked, I know I mentioned maybe posting something on YouTube. You seemed uh, excited for some competition. That's actually not what I wound up posting, but we can talk about that in the mentions later on. But it did inspire me to think, you know what, maybe I can review some of my own logs that I go through. So yeah, if you guys want to pop over to the, uh, the Second Flop channel on YouTube, within about a week or so after this goes up, you should probably see that log go up. Yeah, sweet. I mean, I call it competition and joke, but really it's just yeah. free content for me to consume. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I even call out in the first five minutes. I'm like, you know, I know this is a TV boy style here, but I don't think he's going to have a problem with this. It's better to grow the community than keep it tight. More content's good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I had, a, I played my league game. So we had, a, we had a delay in the league due to, first it was uh, due to the hurricane. We were giving people more time to play. And then... Tabletop uh, TO actually went down for a little while. We couldn't access any of the the event pages, but finally, after a couple day, uh, like a day or two, that got working again. And so um, I played my league game, and I think it was actually one of the fastest games I've ever played, especially in like a competitive uh, setting. Um, it was my uh, double sabs list that I stole from Kyle. Uh, full credit. Um, although I made some, I've made some tweaks as I've gone along. Um, and it was on arms. What is the one on Devron Garrison? Arm salvage, I think. Arm salvage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Devron Garrison against a elite stormtrooper and double shore trooper with double mortars list. Uh, with a e-web with a line ambush. And he had all of his figures clumped up near the entryway to his deployment zone um and uh so he only had four activations but he passed four times and let me uh token up focus up and hidden up one pair of sabs that was uh right up against the edge of mine my uh, deployment zone front edge and I think I talked about this in my video against Derek, but um, a figure that's at the front of your deployment zone, if it can move five spaces, it can actually see into the opponent's deployment zone. 
um, and get a shot if they're not hiding behind the wall. And so he didn't use any of his those early activations to like split up his figures or move them. Not until uh, he just did one with the officer when he had to and he moved one of his shores up. And so I was able to activate my hidden focus saboteurs uh, and had one go up and attack using, um, what is it, priority target, one of his back row like mid mid row stormtroopers so it was able to blast uh on four other of his figures and then with the other one I had heart of freedom to be able to get that one a shot too to move seven and uh wipe I did I gained sixteen VPs from kills in one activation. And that was like okay. That he was like that's over. That's over. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, th <laughs> I think, I think, you know, as, as you well know, I, I'm only available usually like early morning on the weekends. And unfortunately he's on the, I think he's on the same time zone as me. Usually people are like East coast time zone. It's a little easier for them, but, uh, mm -hmm. I think the early hour, I mean, it's for both of us, but I think he was, had a game plan that he was going to execute and that did not include spreading out figures and accounting for, uh, around one double attack from saboteurs uh so that was a yeah. that was a pretty oh done done and shut game pretty quick so um but now i'm four and one in the league and i think that was our last round of swiss so uh pretty happy with how i did nice i uh, thought it was gonna go to six did they cut it one week short yeah they're cutting it, we're cutting it one week short because um everybody's results are kind of being finalized. There was only two undefeated players this round. So at the end of this yeah. week, there's going to be just one undefeated player left. And then we're going to go, they're going to go into top cut. Right. Well, it sounded pretty good for your, your record. And, uh, and it's always a shame when a game goes, goes by that quick, but at least you got to put your rebel subs on the board and do exactly what they were born to do. Yeah, I I took it internally to the steering committee. I was like, um, is this a problem? <laughs> and we were like, oh no, because could have spread out, you know, had had time to spread out. It was all clumped up. And yeah. uh, but we were talking about how sabs just really punish um, mistakes. Like if you make a mistake, sabs can punish really hard. And mistake is mostly just leaving a figure next to another figure. Yep, and I, I've seen the opposite where, you know, people aren't making those mistakes and the sabs don't seem to do quite enough. I mean, they are only a three or four points, so, you know, it makes sense. But you put so many support points in the list that if your opponent is playing well, uh, they can underperform sometimes, especially without a, if you don't put targeting computer on them. Yeah, they... Um... They struggle to deal damage to their intended target, um, but and you have to really load them up with tokens to make them consistent and reliable. But <clears throat> excuse me, um, <clears throat> what am I saying? Oh, but if if they have a target they can blast onto, because there's so many other command cards they have available that adds spread or area of effect damage, like reduced rubble and heavy fire and collateral damage, like. They can spike all this damage onto the adjacent figure, 
Um, and if you leave it so there's two figures or more getting blasted, like that's just a huge damage multiplier to their blast. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the first time I went up against Rebel Sobs and IACP, I was playing around with Wookies, and I think I did leave several next to each other, not knowing the whole deal, like what the Sabs could even do. Yeah. And then my opponent's like, "Okay, I'm gonna blast four onto this and blast four again," and. Uh, started to worry. I don't remember who won the game, but I do remember being like, okay, if these Wookiees didn't have a ridiculous amount of health, I would actually be in real trouble right now. But instead they were, you know, taking damage, getting focused, and then going to attack. So it was still a close game, but scary. They, they can definitely be scary. Yeah. Okay, well, let's... Uh... Let's move on here to some um, comms chatter. So um, this is our segment where we uh, go over some communications from or some messages from our community. Um, if you want or to have your questions or comments read on the air, you can leave a comment on the YouTube channel here uh, or send a comment to uh, send your email to iacommand01 at gmail.com. And uh, if it's appropriate, I will read it. We'll read it on the air and maybe discuss a little bit. Uh, so this week we actually do have some comms chatter. So the first one is actually a comment that was left on our last episode, um, and it was a question from Tuuru. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and we'll we'll cover his other comment from that video in a later section. But he asked, "Does does the command card sit tight?" do anything <laughs> <laughs> yep and uh just reading the show notes now i had to uh pull this card up on tabletop admiral because <laughs> uh definitely not a card that sees any play to say the least yeah so wesley do you have any experience or knowledge of this card does this card do anything well it technically does something right um i think this is a card that was printed in the core set and when the core game was released you didn't have i don't think you had the rule where you could pass if you had more activations than your opponent yep that's correct so if yeah so if you had five and your opponent had seven you know you still had to activate all five of yours and your opponent would get two or three activations in a row at the end of the round sit tight um would let you sit there i guess you have to use it at the start of the round though so you basically have to fully commit to it but you're basically committing to saying, I'm going to wait until you have activated enough figures so that you have less than I do left to go. Um, and then you would be able to kind of go back and forth one activation after another. Right. Then they changed the rule and they made it so that you can pass. So if you're that guy with five activations, your opponent has seven. At any point in the round, you can just say, I pass. And I think that killed a lot of the point and utility of sit tight. Uh, however, I think there is still a niche use here because sit tight, since it makes you wait until your opponent has more groups ready than you, uh, I believe. Or, until, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Until the until player. you have more ready than your opponent. Yeah. So if you have five, your opponent starts with seven. You're going to sit there until they have four if you play this card. Uh, once you do that, you're you're going to be five. They're going to be four. It's going to be your turn. You obviously can't pass anymore. Uh, but you activate your fifth. They activate their fourth, and you go down one by one. Uh, your opponent's not going to be able to pass, and 
by doing this, you can technically steal last activation this way. Yeah, so in short, what it only does now is it lets you get the last activation of the round, even if you have less activations than your opponent. Um, so normally, if your opponent has more activations than you, or if you're tied with activations but you have the initiative, the opponent would always get to activate last no matter how many times you passed. Uh, pass just because of the way passing is restricted um, uh, but with this card like you mentioned um, you get to wait until you have more act ready activations than the opponent and so in that way it will end up where you're both down to uh, the same activations but your opponent is activating theirs first and then you get the last activation of the round uh, so what's the what's the problem with this? Um, why is that not good, right? Because a lot of people we know that a lot of people activation stuff their their list at least to get to eight so they can get the last activation on people possibly. So why would we not play this card? Well, uh, to begin, you have to use it at the start of a round. So if it's round two, round three, you're getting into the thick of combat. Uh, you. In a lot of situations, if you play this card, you're basically saying, come at me, you're going to get two or three turns in a row to take out my guys uh, before I get the chance to start fighting back. And that's really not good, because the whole point of getting last activation, first activation, is to get two in a row, or two or more in a row, of your good fighter activations. Yeah, so another, another way of saying that is that getting last activation in the round is usually only important in the first round um i mean it's, it can be important in later rounds but it's most important in the first round in order to like you said activation chain to be able to go last and then go first in the next round or to prevent the opponent from doing that um, if they don't get the last activation they can't chain last first um but because it's only used start of round you have to have it in your first three cards in your hand when you start the game otherwise you you won't be able to use it if you draw it off of like r2d2 or planning uh you don't get to use it that first round still so that that's a, another problem um the other problem with it is it just isn't really worth giving up a card in hand to get that um last activation even if you do have it in your opening hand like it'll be useful and maybe it would be worth giving up but also just adding to the inconsistency of the fact that in most games you're going to draw it not in your opening hand so what is that uh three out of 15 that's a one in five chance right mm -hmm. so in 80 percent of your games you're going to draw this card uh outside of your outside of turn one and it's going to be a dead card in your hand basically Although, I guess a question I would have is why would this not be more useful in something like an Empire list or a Vader list, which might only run five or six activations, get Rule by Fear to increase the number of uh, cards you're going to start the game with, and also have Zillow Technique to pitch the card late game if it doesn't go off when you want it to. Yeah, um, it might be. I... I... You know, because what that increases your draw to five. Because, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, rule by fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rule by fear. That's yeah, it draw... lets you draw the start of the game round. Yeah, 
at the start of the first game round. Yeah, so you could uh, you could draw it with Rule by Fear and then play it. So that increases your odds to one in three. So still two out of three games, you're not going to get it in the first round. But you do have Zillow to pitch. Um, although I've heard uh, Imperial players say like you shouldn't put dead cards in your deck just because you have Zillow technique. But um, yeah. I think that's the main reason. And I guess if you really, really want last activation, it's almost better to try to guarantee it by stuffing your list with useful but smaller activations than it is to hope for a one in three chance that you get this card. Yeah, um, I think it could. I mean, I I think it's an interesting theory. I I've, I think I've heard people talk about possibly doing an innovator list. Um, but I don't know. I just don't. You know, we never see it be successful so um but maybe you guys and the listeners uh let us know what do you think about sit tight and a vader list um with rule by fear uh you think it work have you used it have you won with it tell tell us in the comments um um i guess one more tidbit here is if you don't draw it in the first round uh, with the newer card smuggling compartment you could just stuff it at the bottom of your deck to never see it again Uh, yeah, assuming you don't draw it off of, like, R2-D2 or something. Sure, sure. But, uh, talking Vader lists, I don't think that you would have R2 flying with you. Or Callus, Or if it's the second yeah. card you draw off your terminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? True. Or if you stuff something else and then you draw, <laughs> and then you draw <laughs> it tight instead. <laughs> but, yeah, there, yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a good card for that. Um... Okay, moving on, we had another one, an email. So I got an email from a listener um, who mentioned this segment. So I will go ahead and read it. But uh, uh, this is from a gentleman named, I think it's pronounced Mata, M-A-T-E. I looked it up uh, with the little lines above the A A and the E. I, I googled it and it says it's pronounced Mata, but I apologize if that's not correct. Um, but he emailed me uh, an email with seven questions. <laughs> and so um, I emailed him back and answered them as best I can. But I, I'll try to read these out um, on the air. And then, Wesley, if you want to comment, you are welcome to. But uh, so the first question here is uh, Is the podcast name no longer Rebel High Command? Did it change? And I, again, I'm paraphrasing some of these questions. Um, but, uh, the answer is no, the, that's still the name of the podcast. Um, people may have noticed that I took that out of the YouTube titles and that's just because I am trying to make them, uh, not super long. And, uh, I want to also like the titles are a lot of the like searchability of videos is in the titles and I want to make sure that important terms get included in there. And so to do that, I had to remove the um the the flavor title of rebel high command when really it's the i command podcast is what people are going to be searching for uh and as well as imperial assault and then trying to keep the episode number and the title short as well uh so but it's still in the intro and it's still in the video description this is the rebel high command cast um and also once we get the finally get the episodes up on like apple Podcasts and stuff it will be listed as rebel high command cast uh, 
don't know. Is there any? Yeah. Anything I, uh, I mean, I, I didn't notice that they changed on YouTube, but good call to Mate, who must have noticed that. Yeah. So if you're searching for the podcast as Rebel High Command, just search for I Command podcast on YouTube and you'll find it. Um, or, you know, that's the other thing is people who know that it's called that, they know how to find the channel. The people who are new that I'm looking to capture their attention, they probably don't know that there's a podcast called that, but they might be searching for, hey, is there an IA Command podcast or is there a Imperial Assault podcast? So that should uh, pop up for them. And then keeping the title short will help them to be like, oh, this is an episode about initiative or this episode's about game modes uh, without them having to read through multiple different titles. So anyway, that's more than I wanted to say about that. Um, the other one was, why is there a security certificate error that pops up on the main IACP website? Uh, this is a recurring issue that we are working on fixing. It has to do with the fact that um, we didn't create the current steering committee. None of us created the main website. Um, that was created by someone who precedes us, a uh, good friend, Chris Emick, great guy. Um, he was one of the founding members of ICP. He manages the website for us, but uh, uh, has been having trouble keeping the um, security certificate updated. Uh, and that's just something you have to pay for as a hosting for hosting a website. So we're trying to take that off of his hands, um, which is going to be a bit of a, a bit of work for me, but I am, uh, it's going to be good to have it under our, our uh, umbrella again. So don't worry if you see that. If you do see that error when you try to go to the website uh, and whatever browser you're using, um, just click the advanced button. Uh, and then once you click that, it will say proceed to website and then you should be able to view it normally. Um, and there's no, there's no danger. There's no, we're not, we're not, we've not been hacked or anything like that. It's just our security certificate expired. So, um, your browser is not able to verify a secure connection because of that. And that's, that's all it is. Um, let's see. And I know that's, uh, a problem for a lot of people. It's very concerning. So I'm trying to get that fixed as soon as possible. Uh, next one. So this one's more interesting is future IACP content going to be focused more on existing on fixing existing IA cards or introducing new content. And my answer to him was pretty much a little bit of both. Probably. Um, I don't know exactly what the content of the next season is going to be. We're still ironing that out or fi uh, figuring out what we want to include. Um, a lot of designs going on, but it seems that season seven was mostly, was more old cards than new cards, but still like a decent, about two new cards per faction, um, plus two to three or two to, what is it? Four to six, like new faction neutral cards. People seem to like that. They like seeing old cards getting a new lease on life and they do like to see new cards, but I think people uh are not as excited as when it's like more new cards and very few old cards getting fixed so uh yeah um i think uh you know with disney ramping up the rate at least with which they release content there's probably going to be more and more demand over the next few years for more and more new cards but uh, you can't fit everyone in here no yeah, it, it it gets overwhelming, and we we hear from people who are like, "There's a lot of cards, 
each season even and so we have to pick and choose um and also we know that like new cards are exciting but people get really attached to a lot of the old cards existing cards in imperial assault they're just um frustrated that they're not they weren't competitively viable after the big um power creep that happened in Jabba's realm um so we try to we're trying to include those because so that people can play with the cards they want, but at the power level that was set by the developers in Java's Realm. Okay, um, question number four. Will Boba Fett and Kane Somos get revisited, or are they just niche figures? Um, and I told him that Boba Fett, probably not, uh, because he does get a decent amount of play. Um, and he's pretty balanced right now, and it took multiple seasons to get him to that place that he's at right now. Uh, so it's kind of like we're not—we're probably not going to mess with something if it's not broken and it took a long time to fix. Um, Boba Fett's not a figure you see all over the place. He's not like the Mandalorian that we had to ban, or like I don't know what else do you see everywhere? Like. I mean, you don't really see a ton of queen pieces that much anymore, right? Queens. Yeah, not not in season seven. We do see some IG elevens. Yeah. So, um, but he did get some new toys with Punishing Strike. Um, he was played uh, quite a bit in season six, which, I mean, he did get partnered with Mando a lot, but he was um, he gets played in multiple different archetypes, uh, and he is. Honestly, he's in a good place right now. He's he he's even like we've had we've had uh, less invested players message us over the years since he's been finalized and be like he is like Bofet's broken. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> he's ridiculous, and uh, and we've been like, huh? Like that's not what <laughs> I mean. He's not <laughs> overpowered, but the point is like a lot of people can't agree on whether he's too good or too or not good enough. Um, I think he just has this high skill gap, uh, like high skill ceiling where if you're really good and you know what you're doing with him, he can wreak havoc and be a, a real annoyance. Uh, and if you don't know what you're doing, he can actually die. Like, uh, even though to me, he always feels kind of immortal. Like every time I play against him, it's like, how the heck am I going to kill this Boba Fett with, uh, with, <laughs> with extra armor tokens and, all this extra defense and he just flies away 12 spaces over blocking terrain as soon as he's like in danger of being killed so uh yeah what do you think about boba fett wesley oh i should put him on yeah, the screen um you know i haven't played him i've heard that his damage is maybe a little weak still but at the same time he is a huge tank and i it's interesting you said that he got played with the mandalorian that we banned a lot, or quite a bit in Season 6. I was going to comment that I think uh, the banning of the Mandalorian leaves more room for people to be playing figures like Boba. But maybe the Season 7 meta has just kind of gravitated away from those hunter queens uh, with the, you know, sunsetting of that Mando. Yeah, it's been a big focus on, like, generics, for sure, in Season 7. Um, people just playing a lot of generics lately. But, um... I mean, that makes Boba even better. Like, when you've got a bunch of generics and Boba comes in and weakens all of them with Flamethrower and then, like, picks them off with his uh, command card and then they're all weakened and they, he has, like, all this extra defense and they're just rolling, like, two dice or whatever. 
Um, yeah, he's a nightmare against generics, so um, we might Honestly, see more of that. I, I like his movement mechanic. It just seems fun. Uh, part of what I would want to do is put him in an Empire list, have some officers try to proc his abilities out of turn. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, any kind of movement point cards, like Hit and Run, Urgency, you can all use those movement points on his abilities. Um, and he, yeah, he's very fun. He's just, you, he's a, like I said, a skill piece. He's not, he doesn't come in and like rapid fire everything to death. It's not on his card. You kind of have to unlock his potential, but it's there. And um, we've seen high level, he, we've seen him win in high level play, so um the other if one thing um if anything i think we'd be more likely to see a book of boba fett second boba fett than we would uh see a revise of this boba fett yeah and we see i mean yeah we've gotten requests for that definitely and it's definitely something that's on the table because he he has a legion figure so hmm. i was just going to say i did like the one that uh, someone came up with a few months ago in new cards it was like yeah, he's a leader now, the Daimyo of Mos Espo. He's not a hunter anymore, but if you build your list a certain way, he becomes the person that focuses all the figures in your list. That was a cool concept. I can't find a picture of him. Have your but... queen piece be your support piece. Yeah, it's not something we've uh, looked at, so that's interesting. Yeah, um... uh, the effect was something like, if, if you're not familiar... Is like if you don't have any other unique leaders in your army, you can focus two of your scum figures at the beginning of the round. It's something to that effect, but it's in the new cards chat on Discord. Oh, nice. Um, okay, so the next question was about well, we didn't talk about Kane Somos. So Kane, um, he gets less play than Boba for sure. Um, he does get played though. Um, he was played in between season six and season seven. He's got ten, ten games logged, uh, which of which he won six actually. So he's not trying to do, do bad for himself when he does get played. Um, uh, he's, I think he's more likely than Boba. Um, the problem is that we can't just reduce his cost like we've done to other ISCP figures that are have been underperforming in the past because the whole problem with him was he started at six back in season two um but he he had the same problem that the short troopers had where at six points he was doing too much activation chaining with like death troopers and strength in numbers um and it was uh pretty broken and so uh that's why he got raised to seven and advanced comm systems got lowered to uh, zero was so that um, Kane Somos could still be seven points and have advanced comm systems and we, they just bit the bullet on well okay every officer is going to be advanced comm systems if there's no other leader that needs it and it wasn't that huge a deal um, so that's the story about Kane um, but yeah we don't see him that often we usually see uh, Krennic instead of Kane um I'm trying to bring him up here. Uh, and who else? Oh, and, and General Soren um, instead of Kane Somos. So, yeah, we'd have to look into, like, redesigning him without making him six points. Um, 
But yeah, what do you think about uh, Kane? Um, well, I think, uh, like you said, people use Krennic if they want to power up their troopers. Um, and I think, you know, as a, like, that seven point that's going to give other attacks, uh, can see his issue being that he's not Tarot, because Tarot is great in a lot of ways. Um, I think if we were to change anything on him, maybe allowing Firing Squad to let him get his own attack in would be a nice way to to work, because then he could shoot and then focus someone who's going to shoot next with a surge. Uh, just throwing that out there, don't. That would definitely need some some looking at and some testing. But um, he is someone I've considered for lists a few times, like trying to make a list with advanced comp systems, Kane, and maybe some other seven point unique troopers in the list. Try to get off some big, you know, night piece extra attacks. Seems like it'd be worth it. But I think he's definitely in a much better place than he was in FFG. And I can see at least a couple people having a few reasons to run him. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he got a three-point discount. And he's got yeah. free advanced comp systems now. So he is in a better spot. Um, looking at his card, I guess there is some things they could improve. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we will have to take another look at Kane. Um, okay, let's chew through these because we still have our main topic to get to. Um, yep. Will IA Command ever put out an official tier list for ICP Skirmish to help new players navigate the complex ICP metagame? Um, so this is a good question um, because uh, I don't... I've thought about it. I do tier lists for campaign, mostly because campaign is a solved ecosystem um, that's not still growing. Um, but ICP Skirmish, uh, the metagame, is still growing, and I want to let it grow organically. And so I personally do not have any plans to um, put out tier lists for ICP just because it would feel weird to me, kind of like putting my finger on the scale of things when I'm the one who is working as part of this team of other steering committee members trying to balance the game um, and then coming back and being like well this card's good and this card's bad and this card you should play and this card doesn't do well you know that that is a self uh what is it called self-fulfilling prophecy basically of like well if i think i might think this is good and think this is bad but i don't actually know for sure but if i say it out loud people are going to take it as gospel and they're going to you know, pl just play with the stuff that's high tier and only the high tier stuff gets played and the low tier stuff gets forgotten. And that causes, that will cause things to stagnate. Whereas, um, I would like to see innovation. I want to see people trying things, different things out and what's actually good. And not just um, going by somebody's opinion. Um, even with all the stats we have, like stats are, can be wrong sometimes. Like, Sometimes the it's just not the case where the right player hasn't picked up that card and played with it in the right way to uh, get its full potential out. Uh, so I encourage everyone else out there, like that's what you guys should be doing. Some I don't think people, I don't think me on the steering committee should be doing that. Although I also tell the other steering committee steering committee members because they have expressed interest in doing it. They just never got around to it. Um, like go ahead, and make tier lists if you want. 
yeah everybody else go make go make tier lists like tell us what you think is s tier and what you think is poop tier and and because that's a good way for the community also to communicate with the developers which is now us um like what's good and what's bad and what needs more help um and so yeah i probably won't be doing a tier list but maybe uh maybe wesley will do a tier list on his youtube channel yeah uh i i think it makes sense for the devs to not necessarily make a tier list i mean if if the other guys on the committee wanted to they could uh, but i am not on the committee so <laughs> i would not feel like i'm at a place where i want to tier everything here but i or like i i think i could use some more knowledge so i think um but you do kind of need a content creator to get that message out there so i think in the future it could be possible for me to kind of bring on some other guests outside of the steering committee and we kind of do a, a podcast style where we go through all the stuff and you know tier list it together i think that might be something you see one day uh, but definitely not yet. I haven't even gotten this first uh, Vassal log on my channel yet. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do want to stress that steering committee members are not barred from putting out cheer lists or making content like that. Like um, Derek and Morgan and Jake and Josh, like they're they're all like pretty competitive. They are in the weeds with all of you guys playing the game competitively. That's what their their thing is. I'm more of a like pulled back bigger picture like stats guy that's like trying to figure out how to make everything balanced i play competitively way less often than morgan and derek and all of them do so you know they could probably bring like a, a really good player's perspective if they put out a tier list um, i just feel like a tier list from me would be just i don't know dangerous <laughs> it's just like one way to say it but uh anyway okay so uh geez what question are we on that was six no that was five number six is ffg still reprinting imperial salt products and are they ever going to stop um this one's simple like no i don't see why they would stop i have i follow a lot of uh, imperial salt on social media and a lot of people post like hey reprint just came in or look this store just restocked and that's usually like about twice a year i see those posts start to like really happen and apparently ia is selling really well and there's more new people getting into the game all the time we see new players popping into our discord and stuff so as long as it's still selling like i don't see why ffg would stop reprinting it they still have management of the game it's not um it's not one of the games that was passed to them passed from them to atomic mass games which i think a lot of people still get wrong but yeah, it was not uh, passed over from them. They still manage, they still have full control over Imperial Assault. They just are choosing not to put any new R&D resources into it. And they're just coasting on uh, sales of an existing product, which seems fine to me. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, you, know, may, you know, one day they'll stop. Um, that one day might be 50 years from now, though. So, like you said, no reason to see them stopping anytime in the immediate future yep which is good we want people to be able to get the game to play and then print out iacp cards to make it better definitely okay uh, and then final question he had a question about advice for 3d printing 
since he doesn't have access to Etsy, which is what I usually tell people to do for getting like miniatures for ICP, either buy the Legion minis or um, go to Etsy. There's some great custom minis for stuff that isn't made by FFG. Um, but I have no experience or knowledge in 3D printing. Um, I just know it's expensive and complicated. Uh, <laughs> so do you, do you do any 3D printing? I don't. Uh, I have a friend who does, and I think I misread this question in the notes. Uh, my suggestion to get custom minis would be going on Patreon and uh, finding a creator there that kind of does something like that if you can't use Etsy. Um, I don't know how the 3D printing process works, but um... uh, there are a lot of people out there that have a lot of stuff that they could, you know, do through patreon or something else yeah if people are looking for information i would recommend checking out um uncle adam uh his youtube channel he does a lot of stuff about miniatures and specifically he talked he does a lot of 3d printing and i actually was listening so between sending my reply email and recording this i actually listened to one of his newer videos was actually about 3d printing and like the costs and and misperceptions about it that people have and sorry i'm trying to pull up his uh youtube channel yep and screen. you uh, cut out for me what was his name again uh uncle adam uncle so adam he's uh let's see t his his channel's called tabletop minions uh and yeah he he does a lot of he's a lot more on the hobby side of like tabletop wargaming uh he has a really good channel and uh, a lot of fun to listen to if you're into, like, hobby stuff. So, anyway. Um, so let's move on to... We did uh, talk about the games we played. Uh, let's move on to the rules question of the week. And we have also some more good ones for this because we were gone for two weeks. You know, a lot of rules questions got asked and there were some really interesting ones. So I think we're going to actually cover a couple of these. So the first question, and because I wanted to answer this one on air because it's um, related to our previous episode topic, was regarding take initiative. So this question was from Turu again in the comments. Thanks for commenting. Uh, he asked, uh, if, you, if, a, if your opponent plays take initiative on you, can you then play take initiative on them in the same round to take it back? And the answer to this one, and I'll go ahead and answer this and let you comment, Wesley, is uh, no, you cannot play take initiative once your opponent plays it on you. And the reason for that is um, players, when players have card effects that use the same timing, uh, you always go with the player that has initiative first. And the way it works is each player gets an opportunity, uh, alternating opportunity based on First, you go with the player who has initiative. They get to play all of their cards in a certain timing window. Then it goes over to the player that doesn't have initiative, and they get to play all their cards in the timing window. And then you go on to the next timing window. You don't go back. So the way it works is take initiative says use at the start of the round. So there's there's that's your timing opportunity. That's your timing window is start of the round. There's a lot of cards that say start of the round. And so... Uh, first the player with initiative will be able to play their start of round effects and then it will once they're done it goes to their opponent who doesn't have initiative that's when they will play take initiative and the initiative token will go to them and then you'll move on to the activation phase you don't then go back to 
the player that no longer has initiative to resolve their start of round effects because that player already got to resolve their start of round effects. Um, hopefully that makes sense to people listening to it. Although, Wesley, what do you have any insight onto that as well? Yeah, I was going to say, um, do you agree that this is kind of a question that a lot of players have to figure out at some point yes. on their journey through IA? Yes, I, I've seen this question so many times, and that's why I wanted to talk about it on this episode, because it's a really important question, not only for the specific interaction, but also just learning how the game works in general, like how conflicting timing windows work and how you resolve cards that have the same timing window. I was going to say this, I think this question is kind of the litmus test for when you start going from knowing the rules and playing Star Wars Imperial Assault to understanding how interactions and timings work in Imperial Assault and knowing, you know, more complex versions of the rules. It's like when you find out that you can't take initiative, a take initiative, that's kind of when you start getting deep into the game. Yeah. Or at least in understanding. Um, it's like something similar uh, when I was younger playing, you know, Schoolyard Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, and then there was that card, Mystical Space Typhoon. You destroy one of your opponent's magic or trap cards. Uh, and then as we got older, became teenagers, and went to you know more events, actual events, you started to learn, oh, the opponent can just play the trap card or spell card anyways at that time, and it still resolves. And you find out that Mystical Space Typhoon does not negate cards. Uh, and that always felt like a big thing that people had to learn that separated kind of newer players from players who kind of understood the deepness of the game and i feel like the take initiative take initiative is kind of the the analogy the same thing for that in this game yeah i think that's a fantastic metaphor i remember people talking about that too in in school um and then the oh the one thing i want to say more about this is i mentioned that when players have conflicting timing windows uh, the player with initiative plays their cards first. The only time that's not true is during attacks. Uh, if if this is coming up during an attack, the attacker plays their cards first, and then the defender plays their cards uh, and effects. And that also goes for um, abilities that say after an attack resolves. Those abilities use during attack timing conflict rules. So just wanted to mention that. And all right, let's move on to the next one. So. I listed out a few good ones that I saw, Wesley, and I and you said uh, you were going to pick some two that you wanted to do. So what what, what were those two? Yep. Uh, I know one of them was the wild attack and elements of surprise. Yeah, so the question there was somebody was asking, um, and I thought this was clever, um, if I have element of surprise and wild attack in my hand and I want to play them, can I use the element of surprise first uh, and then play wild attack and remove the white die from the element of surprise so that I can bait out their negation and not waste my wild attack if they negate my element of surprise? And the answer is uh, no, right? You, If you play element of surprise, you have to remove whatever defense die is already in their defense pool. So you have to play Wild Attack first if you want to then use Element of Surprise to remove the white dice from Wild Attack. 
Right. <clears throat> so I think this is another good example of, you know, timing windows. Um, the fact that, you know, if you're going to play two cards in a row, the first one is going to activate first. And really the only time you can play a card during the resolution of a card is usually if you have something like negation that plays specifically when you play a card. Yeah, and th I think this was from one of our newer players uh, that joined recently. And I thought this yeah. was a fantastic question, not because of the rules interactions. I think the rules interactions here are pretty straightforward. Uh, but just the the thinking, the strategic thinking happening here, right? He's trying to he's trying to check for his opponent for negation before he commits his full combo, and I think that is something that people really should do more of when they're playing. Um, just cards in general, like there's a lot of strong zero point cards that um, can get stymied by negation. Element surprise being one of them, but like to the limit is one that gets really gets people when it gets negated because it it like was their whole um action chain was gonna or their their attack was contingent on playing to the limit and it gets negated and they don't get to attack that round um we see this with like onar especially mm -hmm. so just keeping in mind like is there a possible negation here and it can can i possibly bait it out somehow with another card so that this a more important zero point card goes off um just very good strategic thinking yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you guys do check out that uh, vassal log, I'm gonna upload. I explained at one point. I even threw out a force rush uh, with one of my force users, and I honestly didn't know what I was doing when I activated that force user. Didn't know what my plan was with him, but I knew that I had to activate someone. wasn't ready to do my final activation yet, um, so I threw out force rush at the beginning of that card's turn. Was Terra Malikos. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. I just had a feeling that my opponent had negation and was really hoping that they would play it to stop the Force Rush because uh, it would have let me hit other guys I couldn't normally, but I really didn't need it. And uh, unfortunately, in that case, he let it go off and I couldn't bait the negation, but I was trying to bait it so that I could play Take Initiative next round. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's very, it is a very good strategy trying to bait that out. All right, I think we have time for one more, and then we got to breeze through our main topic here. Yeah, sure. So we could uh, do a, a simple one here. Um, the question about Leia, can she use a surge to recover if an attack misses? Yeah, so what is the, what's the answer to that one? So the answer there is uh, yes. Yes, you can. So the quick explanation for that is you can use... Any surge abilities you want when you attack, um, you, if your attack is going to miss due to accuracy or if your opponent rolls a dodge, uh, you it doesn't matter if you use the surges to add damage because you're not doing damage in those cases. Uh, you can surge to accuracy, sure, that might change the results, but let's say your opponent dodges. Um, no amount of accuracy damage or, or pierce is going to help, but they are still there. And then you can use other surge abilities for anything. The only exceptions to the rule, and this is where players get mixed up, but there are only a couple of actual exceptions. And those are for Blast, Cleave, Positive Conditions, and Negative Conditions. So if you have a Surge Focus, uh, you can't do that unless your attack is going to do damage. If you're going to Blast 2, you can't do that unless the attack does damage. If you have Recover 2... Doesn't matter if the attack hits, misses, or gets turned around and, you know, hits C3PO. 
Uh, you can still do it. You can still recover there. Yep. And the C-3PO thing was a joke. I don't want to get any rules <laughs> confusions there. Yeah, an important note for the conditions is that it has to be a uh, condition keyword. So it has to be like surge, focus, surge, hide, surge, stun. Um, if it's like surge, become hidden, like on Davith, um, that one doesn't, even, doesn't need to deal damage to um, go off. Yep. Normally, if it's an ability, it will still work. But if it's like an actual effect on the card with a lot of words, like you said, if it's not in keyword form, it should work. Yeah, and so, the, the Davith wording is a good example. Yeah, because the surge for plus one damage and hide, that's a keyword. That has to deal damage to hide him. But the fell swoop ability that says become hidden, that's not a keyword. That's not hide keyword, so that doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, any surge ability that like is like surge to recover, surge for gain power token, surge to gain movement points, those don't, don't need to deal any damage to uh, trigger... Um, the only exception to this rule is on the lamb. Um, if an opponent plays on the lamb on your attack, uh, it was ruled by one of the devs, and it's been preserved on the Board Game Geek forums that uh, that because the target is lost for the attack, it's similar to like if the target was defeated while the attack was being declared, and the rules for that is you. You, the attack the attack stops immediately so there's no there's no um like modifier step spend surges step it's just the attack stops um so you don't get to go through the spend surges step to spend your surges on recover or whatever and you don't even roll dice if your opponent plays on the way in uh in icp in, van uh, in vanilla yeah you roll dice in vanilla and then you play on the lamb in icp you don't get to roll dice first Alright, that that gets a lot more confusing then, but okay, so that on the lamb is the exception to the rule. Yep. And that's just from a developer's rules answer. Yeah. Uh for people that yeah. don't know, in the old days you could email FFG and they would provide official rules answers um that they didn't always publish in the in the FAQ. And this one was a little bit weird <laughs> in terms of, of how that works. So anyway. Um all right. Yeah, you still can though. You can still email them. Uh, just take a while. They've stopped answering mine. <laughs> so. oh, I think a month ago I asked a question about Sun Baton. They'd eventually get an answer. Okay, it must just be me then. I send them too many <laughs> questions. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so for our main topic here, we're going to be talking about online play. So um, for people that are interested in getting into playing online, so obviously... Um, a lot of people have had to do this because of the pandemic. It was very hard to connect with people in person. Um, but now, you know, it's just a good opportunity to play with people that you normally wouldn't be able to play with or to find communities that you normally wouldn't be connected to in person. Just sometimes you just don't have people that live near you or that have time to play in person. And so playing online is a great uh, way to get in games that normally you wouldn't be able to. Um... So let's see, there's two main ways to do it, right? So you have Vassal and you have Tabletop Simulator. So let's talk about Vassal first. Um, this is the one I know more about, or I mean, you probably know just as much as me, Wesley, but I think you're going to know more about Tabletop Simulator than me. 
Um, so Vassal is a program that if you guys look at any of my game log reviews, that's Vassal. It's this 2D um, overhead flat system with uh, the yellow logo. And it's totally free. You go to VassalEngine.org, you download it. Um, they have it for Windows, uh, Mac, OS, and Linux. And like I said, it's free and it's very low demand on your system, very low GPU. It's not going to like slow your system down to a crawl or make your cooling fan spin up to infinity. It's, it's just very easy to run. And so it's very popular. People, It's open source too, by the way. Um, and we have somebody um, that in the community that updates it every with every new ICP update for us. So for it's ideal for playing skirmish because it's updated regularly. And the way that you play it is, you download the software, you open it up, um, and then you download the modules for Imperial Assault. And there's two main ones: there's a campaign one and there's a skirmish one. Campaign one hasn't been updated in a, in a good while because, of course, there's been no new official content, although it does have some of the fan-made content on there, um, but the skirmish one gets updated pretty regularly. And um, I'll put, of course, the link to both how to download Vassal and the module for Imperial Assault. Anyway, so once you've opened Vassal, you open up the, you go file open on the module, it downloads all the assets you need, the like image assets, and then uh, you're good to go. Um, and then one thing I'll say more about it is um, there's also a great uh, <laughs> tutorial video on how to use how to play Imperial Assault on Vassal by our world champion uh, Brett Kelly, uh, who I've got up on the screen, and he goes over how to install it, how to move figures around. It really hasn't changed that much much in the last few years, um, and uh, it's a really nice little program that we use for for especially for playing skirmish, but you can also play campaign on it as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is there much? What else is there to say about uh, Vassal? Well, uh, I think you know. Uh, looking at any of the many Vassal logs on your channel gives a lot to like kind of how it looks, how it feels. Uh, like you said, it it runs on a toaster, <laughs> so that's one of the good things. It's like a lower common denominator kind of software. Uh, it does, I don't know if you mentioned, it works best with two monitors just because it's so many different windows. Yeah. But it's kind of like a heavily modded, heavily modified kind of Excel. It's like a grid-based map for you to play things on. Yeah, yeah, it's win yeah I didn't mention that. It's because it's so Windows-based, it's good to have two monitors so you can have your map on one screen and then your like hand and your opponent's hand and dice on the other screen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th I was going to ask, uh, because we're more more familiar with the Skirmish, uh, have you had any experience with the campaign module on there, or how it runs? Yeah, I used to use campaign module to play, like, solo campaigns, um, and play, like, the app campaign, just solo, because hmm. it was super easy, because the nice thing is you can, so as you guys all know, you can log your games, but you can also save game states very easily, similar to, like, saving in an emulator or something. Um, and then you can just load it back up and it's right back where you left off. Um, so it's a, it was a great way for me to like kill time <laughs> between classes back in school too. Like, um, just going through the app campaigns or through like the regular campaigns with playing solo and playing them, um, in, on my computer in Vassal. 
It also saved me a bunch of time, like not having to pull out all the components I needed all the time, just playing on my computer. Um, I've seen a game played online, a, a, what do you call it, a um, campaign. Um, it works. There's all the pieces you need are there. Um, like I said, it's a bit, I mean, I didn't say this yet, but it's, it is a bit clunky sometimes with all the windows and having cards in different windows and stuff. It's not as seamless or streamlined as having all the components all on one table, um, the way you would in real world or in tabletop simulator. Uh, but, uh, it works, works. It, it serves a par a purpose and it functions. <laughs> yep. It's like, uh, you get down to the, the bare necessities and get it done. You know, it's not pretty, no bells and whistles, but it does what you need it to do. Play a good game. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it has online connectivity too is, is nice that you can just kind of jump into a server or a room. Uh, you don't need to know any complex, you know, server IPs or anything. It's just you download the module and everything kind of works. You click a button, make a new room, and people can join and you start playing. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the next one, which is going to be Tabletop Simulator, which I'm going to throw here on the screen. Oh, that didn't work. Here we go. So Tabletop Simulator, this is a Steam program. So those familiar Steam is the is a online um, games marketplace uh, that is managed by the company Valve, uh, where you can get all kinds of different games. And as you can see here, um, Tabletop Simulator is a full 3D tabletop game simul simulation program. Um, and it's very, it's highly customizable. And so of course, people have made um, Imperial Assault mods for it. And you can do that, you can find those by going to the Steam Workshop for Tabletop Admiral. Um, I'll have some links in the description, but I do also have a tutorial video on my channel that you can go watch. Um, that's how to set up and run Tabletop Simulator. Um, and here you can see, I'm, I'm, I mean, Wesley can't see it, but uh, I have Imperial Assault. This is the 3D terrain module for campaign. Um, it's kind of cycling through some screen caps here. And I think this is the one that people use for campaign mostly. Um, the one by Drawd? By, yeah, Drawd. Yeah. Yeah, this is a heavily scripted uh, one that has 3D terrain. Um, I would say that this is, it's got everything for campaign in it, and it's got 90% of the maps are pre-scripted for you. You kind of just click a few buttons and it loads everything in. It's got a full HUD system to track initiative, uh, what, what activations have gone, what conditions people have, what their healths are. Uh, if an enemy reaches zero, it'll either automatically wound them, or it will, uh, if it's an enemy, it will just die and do a Wilhelm scream. There are voice lines, it has a full automated dice tray. It, there's a crazy amount of work that's been put into this one. I would say the flaw here, uh, which is something I think you're going to get into, is I do get a few freezes on there sometimes, and, uh, you know, or a few quick freezes. I think it's a more intensive on your GPU. Uh, there's a lot of scripting and background going on, so things can kind of freeze up. It's harder to run than Vassal. 
Um, I think you mentioned in your notes that you had issues running something on a, on your own GPU on tabletop. Was that in this mod? Yeah, it's kind of just tabletop in general lately. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, one of the advantages of tabletop simulator is there's a lot of scripting available and a lot of scripting has been done. So like in Vassal, you kind of just have to drag everything all over the place manually to do something. But in Tabletop Simulator, especially in these mods that people have made, um, you can just kind of click a button and components mm -hmm. will all fly magically to their correct location, kind of like uh, Mary Poppins or something. Um, Maybe you uh, disconnected your mic. Oh, hold on. Can you hear me now? Uh, technical difficulties... Okay, can you hear me now? Hello, can you hear me now? Okay, I think you're back. Okay, sorry, it's because I opened Discord in another window, so it took my mic away from... Anyway, um, so I was saying that um, there's more scripting in Tabletop Simulator, so you push a button and like all the components fly to their correct location, kind of like uh, Mary Poppins <laughs> cleaning up. Um, and in Vassal, you kind of have to drag everything everywhere manually. Um, but the problem with that is that it demands a lot of computing power to do that. And it also demands a lot of computing power just to render all of the components in 3d and the environment in 3d. And so it can be really taxing on your computer, especially if you don't have like a gaming computer. Um, if you have kind of just like an old like laptop or whatever like a work laptop um tabletop simulator is probably not ideal for you compared to vassal <sighs> I, I think there are machines that aren't going to be able to handle tabletop and that's true but i don't want to confuse everyone and say that this is uh high fidelity high end you know everything top notch like uh this is crisis three um I have run tabletop for other mods in the past on my work, on my school laptop, which I had been using since 12, 10 or 12 years ago, I think, at this point. So it is, you know, doable, especially if you're not the host. Um, and I was going to get into another mod recommendation that uses a little less scripting. Um, if you do have kind of a lower end machine, you're kind of worried about all the freezes that'll happen there is a imperial assault mod called imperial assault campaign and this is by h and s fearless it still has all the components uh but you kind of have to do everything manually but it's still in 3d still tabletop um but i think with less scripting and less things that could break uh you're gonna have a few less issues if you're either a little less tech savvy or have a lower end machine and it might still work out for you yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like crisis or anything, but um, I just noticed like it tends to crash my on my computer when I try to run it. Um, yeah, especially lately, it's just been really unstable. I think I don't know, but the other thing is it's unfortunate. But uh, I think you said before that might be just a an issue with your own specific machine. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've got like a sixteen gigabyte processor. Yeah, um, which doesn't seem like it should be crashing tabletop soon. 
I noticed that it was running okay for me a while ago, but then like a year ago, they switched something. They like changed their core code and a bunch of stuff stopped working whenever I tried to load it up. And people were saying like, oh yeah, you got to toggle this one option and options and that'll fix it. But it never, it, it just takes forever for like, when I try to load a module, it t- takes forever for all the components to load up. Um, so I I used to use it for like solo campaigns and stuff, but um, it's fine. I think people really enjoy it for a campaign. It's it's a really nice experience when it does work. Um, it really gives you that feeling of like you're playing at an actual table and easier to navigate through all the cards on the one surface. Um, but I will say nobody uses this for skirmish anymore, except for maybe people who are playing like vanilla skirmish um, just with their friends. Uh, because the skirmish module is no longer being updated since IACP Season 5. There is a really nice one, and I've got it up on the screen here, that was great. It was by made by a fellow we know as Trevis, and um, ha- had a nice, really great um, load from load list from Tabletop Admiral functionality, so you could just copy in a or paste in the URL from your Tabletop Admiral list, saved list, and it would populate all the cards. Um, on one side, it's fantastic, and I'm I'm sad that we still don't have that in Vassal, but um, unfortunately, that module just isn't supported anymore in Tabletop Simulator. But a great a great module if you want to play just like vanilla skirmish. Yeah, I think it had IACP, but those images, uh, their host was taken down, or for some reason they just don't work right now. Uh, yeah, because he's not updating the module at all, so Mm -hmm. the URLs for the cards have changed, and so they're not loading properly. Yeah. So, if you do want to play some vanilla skirmish, there is that, which can be fun if, uh, if for whatever reason you decide against using Vassal, but, uh, the majority of the community has moved over to Vassal for skirmish, and I would say tabletop remains supreme when it comes to campaign. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is how to find the community because obviously you need to find people to play with online in order to play online games and so I'm trying to load up um, there's two main ways that we find games for people Uh, I'm trying to find oh here so the two main ways is the Zion's Finest Slack channel and as always I post a link to how to join that in um, my video descriptions, but this is where a lot of the community discussions happening around the game, and there is a looking for game vassal channel in that Slack, and people are very often posting in there looking for games, looking to set up games. Um, you can see it up here. We've got people posting games in the last few days, um, and then the other one is the IACP Discord. Which unfortunately I can't load because if I if I open it in a new window it will uh, kill my microphone in our chat room. But, unfortunately, uh, but there is a looking for game channel in in the Discord as well. Um, and I'm I, sure you'll post a link to that yep. in the description. Yeah, and I I do I post it in every video I I post. So, yep. um, I think the Discord's less active than the Slack. So if you want to get more consistent responses, um, I think Slack's the way to go. But, especially uh, if you're into skirmish, uh, Slack is uh, where everyone's at, especially for look for games. 
That's true. I think there's a more active campaign group going on in Discord right now, but I think either yeah. one you'd be able to find somebody. Yeah, six or six or eight people kind of pop in and out of the uh, the campaign chat, trying to work something out for a new campaign every every so often. So I, I think more recently there's been more consistent activity on that. Um, this is also a good place to just talk about IA in general and not specifically, you know, it's the ICP Discord, but people talk about all kinds of IA in the Discord, uh, whether it be four-player mode or skirmish or ICP skirmish, or just talking about what characters they want to see. And uh, then if you want to get into, you know, what's coming up in the next season, what the, the current tournament league is, things like that, that's going to be... Uh, localized, not localized, but specialized in the Slack. That's what they focus on. Yeah, and then the last thing I want to talk about is for getting games online is um, organized play. Um, we host a lot of competitive leagues. We host a lot of competitive tournaments. They're pretty much all free to enter, and we do them all over Vassal and Discord. So um, keep your eyes open on the Slack channels and on the main ICP website. We post our events um, up there in the event area and where to, how to sign up and all that. And joining one of those is a great way to get a game because we're going to organize it and we're going to tell your opponent, hey, get it, get, it, get it scheduled, get it played. <laughs> and uh, so that's a great way to get games in is joining our organized play system. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the uh, tournaments, which are, you know, you're going to pair everybody up and it's all at a specified time. Yep, we do. So we do weekly leagues where you organize a game with somebody every week. And then we do tournaments where like once a month we have a free tournament on a Saturday and everybody's supposed to join at the same time and we play, everybody plays three games back to back and it's great. It's great fun. And then whoever has the best record can play for more prizes, but you're guaranteed at least three games that day. Yep. And you'll probably see us recording that next weekend. Because the next one's coming up. That's right. Okay. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up. Um, Wesley, you have any comments on online play or anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I guess uh, just when you... If you're going to look at the tabletop simulator... Uh, mods for campaign i will say one of the great things is even the scripted one you it has a tutorial and you can uh you can just type in tile names to start spawning in tiles and build things yourself uh, if you want to do custom maps so that's a good little tidbit we missed but besides that i think online play is you know the dominant way that we're we're doing this right now uh it'd be great to see some more in-person play as we move forward but uh these times this is going to be the easiest way to grow the community yeah and i do want to say we do have plans to promote more in-person play but this is what we have right now um but we're working on it so yeah i think we're ready to start wrapping up all right thanks everybody for watching um please check out all the links in the description and Hopefully we'll get to see you guys online and get to play some games. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're on YouTube. And we'll see you later. Oh, Wesley, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, if this is coming out Wednesday, my uh, 
My first Vassalog upload should be on my own YouTube channel. It's the Second Flock is my YouTube channel name. Uh, so you should be able to see that at the recent game I played. I do have another video up there right now, but it's uh, it's an it's an ISAP video, but it's a uh, it's a meme, so a little <laughs> different than. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's worth watching though. Fifteen second clip. I think it make your day. Um, and then I do I did want to shout out my friend just because somebody mentioned you know help getting things printed. Um, there is a patreon.com slash earn command. I-R-N-K-M, as in Mary, A-N. Uh, he does minis. He's a good friend of mine for a long time, and he's he's been going ham in this stuff. He doesn't necessarily do Star Wars, but he has made a few molds for that. Uh, so if you want to check him out, I told him I'd shout him out because we had a question earlier about uh, printing minis. All right, sweet. We'll throw that link up in the description as well. All right, thanks everybody for watching. Right. We will see you later. Thanks.